Praise the Lord, everybody. Sister Robbins, if you'll come on up. So like Pastor said, we're going to go through a panel tonight. And first thing, if everyone, I know everyone just loves this, but could we all kind of move to the center a little bit just to just to help the, the feel of the night and maybe make things a little more engaging for us. So center row, you lucked out. Um, there will be a Q&A session uh, towards the end of this. And I just want to warn everybody that you're going to be texting me directly. If you send me something silly, I will read it, and I will call names. So that's going to be your call. Uh, so the panel tonight, we're going to be talking through our topic of live, love, and serve. And there's something very special, something very beneficial about um, sharing and growing together through shared experiences. I know, uh, you know, with the year that I've had personally, the things that I've gone through, uh, there's been a lot of benefit of having, you know, a church family, elders in the church, a ministry team uh, to be able to share and glean from. And that's the hopefully the intent tonight that we all kind of glean a little bit new, a little bit something uh, more deeper from each other and learning a little bit more about some of the, the members and ministers in our church. So our panel tonight is made up of Pastor Robbins, Sister Robbins, who uh, everyone's familiar with now. Um, Elder Dillon is, I want to take a minute and, and just talk about Brother Dillon for a second. Uh, if you don't know the ministerial background and the history and the value that Brother Dillon brings to this church, uh, grew up on the mission field, correct? Uh, has been a, uh, a pastor, um, ha holds a national uh, role as a chaplain, uh, is a published author, just a wealth of knowledge, and we're so very grateful to have him in our church, and he blesses so many of us, and we appreciate him so very much. And Brother Carl Shepard, as you all know, a certified uh, leadership trainer, trainer through the John Maxwell team, uh, is our current departmental director and offers a lot of great insight into helping us grow and serve and uh, move forward together. So, first question. Uh, we'll jump right in. We're going to get into the topic of uh, biblical debate, and we're going to uh, begin with a nice game of Bible baseball. So who can tell me the name of Philemon's wife? That's a joke. Sorry. <laughs> Sister Philemon, that's right. So, no. <laughs> First topic we're going to get into is... <laughs> is with live. So living a Christian life that attracts others. Uh, so we want to discuss how our actions and lifestyle impact our effectiveness in witnessing to others. And I think for this question, we're going to start off with Brother Carl. Can you give us some insight into how our actions and lifestyle impact our effectiveness in our witness? saying people don't know don't care how much you know until they know how much you care and that's exists in every aspect of life when it comes to living a Christian life sometimes you are going to be the only Bible people group and I think it's important that we show that humility that Christ showed 
here on the earth. He gave us the example to um, show humility, show love, show compassion. So those things are vital to our life as a Christian and to, to give that example. He says in uh, 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. We have to share and show that love that Jesus had for us. So, Brother Dylan, would you want to pick up from there? What about our living? How, how in our living, our daily life, uh, what can we do that helps our effectiveness in impacting others? Well, the Bible also says that let your, spe- your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know that you may know how you ought to answer to every man. And so that's an Old Testament offering of salt that has the meaning of a preservative. And so uh, when you look at uh, building someone up instead of just just talking to them is one thing, but to build them up is another thing. People uh, need someone to lift them up and not just just be there for uh, at you know just be there, and they certainly don't need anyone to tear them down. So the Bible says to season your your salt your your life with salt, and that that's a, a, a preservative, and you're preserving other people. Uh, it also says in the in the original uh, wording uh, for conversation. We think of conversation just what we see, but the original Greek word comes from uh, the way you live your whole life, not just the way you speak. Everybody knows that actions speak louder than words. I can tell you yes and go like this, and uh, you know I don't really mean it, you know. And so people know, people know if you really care or you don't care. And sometimes we're so busy that we're not careful. Uh, It's not that we don't mean to not care. It's just that we're busy. And sometimes you have to be intentional to to show, slow down, to show people that you really do care about them personally. Let me ask you one more thing. Can you elaborate more on, you talked about preserving and the, the effect of salt. So in our day-to-day life, when we are in that, that, that grind, so to speak, that rut of living day in and day out, what is some of your best advice for us to preserve um, our effectiveness and preserve our willingness to be effective? The effectiveness comes from your character, uh, genuine courage. This a little later in in my notes, but as a chaplain, I, I was chaplain many years at Fort Bragan, and we had a lady there who it was rumored that she was uh, a lesbian, and uh, she wouldn't talk to me because I was the chaplain. Uh, so uh, every time I'd get by, she would avoid me. And so when one day she got sick, we went to the hospital, and so I sent a chaplain. 14 chaplains during the night 
I sent one of our chaplains to uh, be to her bedside. And after that, every time I came to the plant, she looked for me and sought me out and wanted to talk about problems with her daughter. So just a simple kindness of, of you know, overlooking what other people in gossip around the, uh, around the, uh, the plant have and just loving her as a person. And sometimes we really need to do that, love people as a person in whatever state they are. That's the way Jesus did. When he found you and me, he found us in a state that we weren't very, very good at all. I wasn't. And he loved us anyway. And so I think that's part of the preservation. Okay. So, Sister Robbins, I'll, I'll turn to you now. Uh, give us some of your, your best life advice for living and, and, and showing the love of Christ to attract others. we just had and we're talking about are you fully dressed are you ready to go out and face the world we put on the christian's armor because that is how we as christians do and um if we have that on we can face the day and we can be true christians in our world and um i've, I've heard this um saying it says if you see someone without a smile give them one of yours and it's amazing how often um, if you see people out and about in the world, sometimes um, they might have a frown on their face or they just look grouchy or whatever. But if you get the time to just a smile, if you're like me, you're kind of shy and not really easy to start conversations, but a smile can really indicate that you are there for them that you are open if they want to talk and i'm telling you it can open up doors i've had people um notice i was a christian and through conversation find out some of the issues they're going through in life and i we prayed right in the middle of kroger right in the middle of walmart right in the middle of wherever because i've been at restaurants and and um because god will open doors when we are truly prepared and we truly have that as our heartbeat is to um, live our Christian life and to reach others. It's very good. Uh, Pastor, I'll, I'll, I want you to get to uh, your points on how our actions and lifestyle impact our effectiveness or our witness. But uh, before we do that, I, I want, if you could bounce off of Brother Dylan's perspective on preserving ourselves, And could you give us some insight into, because uh, I think you have some really good experience here with, uh, remaining the same, upholding your love for people day in and day out, week in and week out, year over year uh, as a pastor. So what's some good safeguards that we can uh, instill in our lives today to help protect our love for people and our desire to reach them? <clears throat> prayer, prayer, prayer. <laughs> uh, the Bible says the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. And when we have the Holy Ghost, 
that love of God is, is in our hearts. And we're human, but we have to keep in mind that everybody belongs to God. They're God's children. And I think often how I feel about my children, how I want people to treat them, uh, love them. And I want to think of anybody that I'm working with or reaching or talking with, that that's God's child. And I want him to be pleased uh, with me loving them. And so that's helped me through the years as I try to look at everybody as a child of God and how much he loves them. And he's holding me responsible uh, to love them as well. Uh, People are going to be people. We're all going to have bad days. We're all going to get off on the wrong track. But when it gets down to when all the dust is settled, they're good people. And if we love them, no matter what, no matter how they treat you, no matter what they do to you, if you love them, love wins out in the end. That's very good. Uh, So we'll let you move on to the next uh, portion about uh, how our actions and our lifestyle impact our effective witness. Uh, what is your take on lifestyle as it impacts our, our witness and our approach towards others? Well, I, this is something that's very important to all of us, but we can be a witness through sharing the gospel. We can be a witness through inviting people to church, sharing about what the Lord's done in our lives. But none of that will be heard as loud as how I live every day. And so the Bible teaches us that we're the light of the world. What makes that light? God in us. He is the light of the world. But what causes that light to shine is how I live and how you live. Because that's what people notice more than anything. They notice our attitude the treatment to others, how we handle conflict, how we deal with problems, how we carry on when we're going through our personal crisis. They, they see that. And there's something in us, through the way we live, that attracts them because those are things they need in their life. None of us are perfect, so I'm not trying to say that. But I, I've seen people that was difficult for them to be a witness on their job because they didn't always act like a Christian on the job. And so I feel like there's people due to not having controlling of their spirit and of their mouth that they really didn't want to try to witness because they thought about, well, they seen me act this way and they seen me act that way. And, and we're all human. We all have our bad days. But that's why we have to be responsible And the way we live, our honesty, our integrity, our conversations, our love and treatment of others, because that tells them whether we're really a Christian or not. And and most of the time, that brings people to us instead of us having to go to people. Yeah, that's really good. And, you know, there's a lot to be said about a, a consistent lifestyle that reflects Christ. And consistency is a, is a really major part of your walk. Uh, one of the things that recently 
Jennifer and I have been kind of praying about is, is how do you get to the point of heading off a soul before their aha moment or their oh my goodness moment, my life is crashing around me. Uh, how do you head that off and how do you intercept them in a way? And what we found out is that you will be surprised that when your everyday life and your culture becomes souls, others, I want to reach somebody. I want to tell somebody about Christ today. Uh, it has been shocking for us just how many people the Lord is willing to put in your path. Uh, that's a, a carnal mindset that kind of slips in on us a lot that uh, we think we're not good enough or we shouldn't talk to that person or we don't know enough about some topic or another to talk to that person. That's not God's leading. That's not his, his, his will for us. But I'm telling you, if you begin, like Pastor said, rooted in your prayer life to make the culture of your home, your daily life, is others. How can I reach people? It is amazing uh, how many opportunities God will put in your path, just in your common every day. Uh, it's pretty incredible. Uh, Brother Carl, I want to come back to you for just a second before we move on to actual real-life application on loving others. Uh, but I did want to ask you, you deal with a lot of people. You deal with a lot of uh, uh, people who are in need of development, a lot of interpersonal relationships. So I want to get your take on when you get up every day, what helps you the most to face the day with an attitude of, I love you, I want to find you, I want to introduce you to Christ? First, obviously, is prayer and uh, my Bible reading. However, you have to be intentional. Um, you're going to run into people. They're going to cut you off um, on the road. They're going to cut in line. You have to have that intentionality that no matter what, you're going to love them. Um, one of the things that I've learned in leadership is you put a 10 on everybody's forehead. You're giving them a 10. They're, they're rated number 10. It's up to them to bring it down a notch, but it's up to you to keep it at a 10. You have to intentionally love that person, see the good in what and who they are, and remember they are a soul. They are a soul that is in need of saving. They're, they're, there's an eternity to face. They're going to face eternity in one of two places. And if you can reach that person, it's like uh, Dustin said, the more you focus on them, the, the more you'll see God places people in your life. So you have to be intentional about loving them where they're at and keeping that heart of gratitude because we were there one time. I was very unlovable at one time. Um, people were patient with me. Pastor was patient with me for 10 years before I started coming here. Um, and so... It's all about being intentional in knowing that they're a soul and they're going to spend eternity somewhere. That's, that's really good. Pastor, can we start with you on give us some real-life experience, real-life application of how living a committed, consistent Christian lifestyle has opened doors for you personally? Well, I'll just relate to one uh, that stands out to me because I knew this question was coming, and it really kind of surprised me because I hadn't thought about that in a long time. Uh, I grew up with a lot of cousins, and some of those cousins didn't come to church a lot. Uh, life, they lived life, good good people, hardworking people. But I remember uh, one of my cousins that I was real close to in high school, so I wasn't in church in high school, so he never knew anything about that part of my life. And uh, I was doing some work for him. He, had, he owned chicken houses, a chicken farm. 
and he had asked me to come in and put vinyl siding all on the inside of his uh, chicken farm where they could wash the damage. And, you know, we're just talking, you know, hunting, running trot lines on the river like we did as kids. And he just stopped me. He said, um, how did you change? And he opened that door and he said, I've just seen your life change so much. And I've seen you stick with that. And you're still changed. How do you do that? What can I do to get the life you have? And so that opened up into a Bible study. I didn't even know he really paid attention to me, to be honest with you, we, you know, in that, in that area. And he ended up getting the Holy Ghost, living for God, died of cancer three years ago. And so people are watching us. We may not even realize it. And so that just stood out. That was an example that I didn't really push religion on him. Didn't just, I did invite him to church. But that isn't what did it. He had been watching me all along. Just Robert, do you have a personal testimony or experience you'd share with us of how your life, uh, a Christ-centered life, opened a door for you? Well, of course, you know, I'm very shy. And in high school, I was really shy. And um, I went to a different school almost every year of my growing up. So I didn't really have a lot of chance to bond with people. But... Um, when I'd go to school, obviously you could tell I was a Christian. I looked different than everyone. and um, But I did not want anybody to know that my dad was a preacher. <laughs> like, you know, I just didn't want that label. But um, so I, I, I didn't really um, have a, an open door just to uh, share the gospel with everyone. But I remember one time we were, I was at school. And um, one of the girls, and, uh, you know, I had little friends that I just kind of um, hung out with a little bit at school, like going from the classroom to classroom or at lunch, but never really bonded as friends. And um, one of the girls uh, came up to me, and um, she was a cheerleader. She was not in my, you know, little clique. And um, she said, your dad's a preacher, right? I was like, um... Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so she said, and tears came to her eyes. And because of how I lived, I didn't even have to tell people that I was a Christian, but because of how I dressed and looked and lived and conducted myself, she could tell that I was a Christian and that I had some kind of contact with God. And she had a need in her life, and she asked me if I would pray. And because of living my life as a Christian and conducting myself as the Bible directs us to, there was an open door to share this glorious gospel and to offer to pray for her need. Because sometimes God will put people in your path um, that you can witness to. And sometimes we might say, well, I'm retired I don't really go out into the community much, or I don't really have a chance. I don't work on a job to reach people, and my neighbors, I've been neighbors with them for 30 years, and they already know I'm a Christian. I have really no one to influence or no one to reach. I want to tell you, I had a friend who was a pastor's wife, and uh, he passed away, and she moved into a, an apartment complex, 
and her one of her biggest things was I have no way to witness I have no way to reach people and share this glorious gospel and one day she was in the laundromat of the apartment complex and there was someone there and she had been praying Lord give me someone to witness to I know I don't get out much she didn't even drive she was elderly and she didn't even drive and couldn't go places but she had been praying for an opportunity to witness and in that laundry room was someone and the conversation just started unfolding and as she was able as being a friend she was able to start witnessing to them and invited them to church and out of that conversation she started a Bible study group in that apartment complex and God can open doors no matter what season of life you are in if you truly are hungry to be a witness and to to live out your Christianity in front of your peers and your friends and your neighbors God will open doors he will send someone for you to witness to that's incredible uh, so we're going to move on to the next section, uh, love. But before we do that, Sister Tiffany, can we put the Q&A slide up? If you are uh, coming up with questions, if you want to go ahead and text those in, uh, you don't have to wait till the end. If you want to go ahead and text those now as you uh, come up with them, just so you don't forget them, uh, feel free to go ahead and do that now uh, to that number right there. And remember, you were warned. Uh, so love, connecting with people through loving them. And I'm going to start with uh, Brother Dylan on this one. But can we talk about different ways that we can be intentional in showing God's love? And, and I want to uh, start with you specifically because uh, of our personal experience together uh, with uh, Jen and I moving here. Uh, it's been 11 years ago now coming in new. Um, you know, for me, running from a lot of things, uh, not knowing anyone and finding a family like yours who loved us so intentionally without any kind of pre-qualification, uh, it was refreshing. So can you give us some insight into how to just love people in that way? Well, I made that mistake to ask God that one time. I, I bothered him for about two weeks. I said, Lord, I... I love people, but I don't love them like you do. Uh, can, could you give me that love? And about two weeks later, he had enough of it. He said, I already did. He said, would you mind telling me when? He said, if you believe that the Holy Ghost is me in you, all the love that I have is in you. The problem is we have to get it out. There's the problem. I can remember uh, I, most of my life I've been a working minister. And uh, so there was a man named Bob at our plant. And Bob was a Back in the late 70s, early 80s, and I worked at a plant. And uh, I can remember one day, Bob, I was assigned to as an apprentice to work with Bob. Bob was the, he was a journeyman. I was the, I, I was the apprentice. And uh, Bob hated everybody. Bob was on his third marriage, and he hated God. And I'm sure I made him uncomfortable. 
I looked at Bob one day. I said, Bob, I'm going to be your friend. He said, well, I don't want you to be my friend. I said, well, you don't have a choice. He said, uh, you don't have to be my friend, but I'm going to be your friend. And, you know, he just kind of huffed and puffed. And I, found, I later on found out the reason he hated God was he had a child and died. He blamed God. And uh, I don't know that that he ever came to Christ in any way, but for years after I left that plant, when somebody from our church that worked there, he would ask, how's Bill doing? How, how's he doing? Where's he at? Because he felt something there. And sometimes people just need to feel love. Right. Unconditionally. That's what brought me to, to, to the Lord. I spent, after Vietnam, three tours in Vietnam, I spent 11 years out of the church hating God myself. I know a little bit about that. But God never one time hated me. And uh, what, what uh, changed me was love. It wasn't a rule. Wasn't you can't do this, you can't do that, or you have to do this, or you have to do that. I hadn't been to church in 11 years, and I was about dying of an overdose that night, and God walked into my house, and I felt love without any string, without any, any demand. I felt a love that I had never felt before in my life. It was so pure and so so wonderful that I couldn't I couldn't cry without laughing. I couldn't stand without falling over. I had me and one more experience. I didn't get the Holy Ghost that night, but I had an experience with God that changed my life. And if you can love people through Christ the way that that Christ loved people, love will conquer addiction. By the way, I, I was delivered that night. I never touched drugs in 43 years, alcohol or smoking or anything. God instantly delivered me of all those things. All you have to have is that love and let people know that God loves them just like that. And if you get that message to them, God will set them free from anything in their life. So, Brother Carl, I want to reframe the question a little bit for you. Um, with your experience as uh, coming up in truth, uh, stepping away, coming back, very similar to mine, uh, what was an example that sticks out to you of someone's intentional love for you that opened that door and gave you that liberty to, not just the liberty to come back, but the desire to want to come full circle? I think for me, it was a uh, pastor. Um, as I said, he was patient with me for 10 years. Uh, and I let my past haunt me. I let, I let it try to define who I was, the things that I did. And there was some previous church hurt that was there from when I was younger. And one of the things that I was guarded on is I'm not going to get hurt again. I don't want to get hurt again. And I wanted to go 
to a church that would accept me for who I am and teach and train me who God wants me to be. And I've probably been to every apostolic church in 30-mile radius um, in the late 90s. And when I came here and visited, somebody invited me and I came here and I visited, um, I would sit, I would try to beat Sister Sellers to church every week so I could get the back row. And uh, I would come in just a few minutes late and leave just a few minutes early because I knew if Brother Robbins ever got the opportunity to speak to me, I wouldn't make it out the door before coming to the altar because I knew where God wanted me to be. And I knew that God loved me. But I didn't think I was lovable. And so when you have somebody that's patient and, and will work with you, and even though you're not coming to church on a consistent basis, they still reach out to you. They still, um, I remember one, one day uh, I got a Facebook post from Brother Robbins that comes up in my memories every year. And it says, we're having a revival. Hope to see you and your family there. Um, and it just, it just meant a lot to me that out of the blue, on Facebook, he would make a post to my Facebook page, hope to see you and your family at Revival. I wasn't coming on a regular basis. I probably, I don't remember, but at that time I probably hadn't came in two or three months because um, I was sporadic when I did come. So the intentionality that Brother Robbins had to be patient with me, to love me where I was at, and to love me through the season that I was in, it meant a lot, and that's what grounded me here at Apostolic Life. So, Pastor, I want you and your wife to kind of tag team this next question. Uh, with your tenure as a pastor, uh, Sister Robbins, you growing up in a pastor's home, growing up as a pastor's wife, or coming up as a pastor's wife, still being a pastor's wife, uh, give, give us some practical guidance for being intentional and capitalizing on opportunities to love people. Because there's a lot of times that we don't, we're in situations that uh, someone needs love, but we don't want to, you know. Um, it's just, it ain't been the day, you know. But how do you face those opportunities, put on the brave face of I love you, I'm going to address you with full conviction, and how do you open that door? Ladies first. Well, you know, um, I was always taught that we are ambassadors of heaven. We're not our own. We were bought with a price. Mm -hmm. And so we face the day and we conduct ourselves as Christ's hands and feet. And we do what we do to reach others and to be the light of the world. And um, I won't reference myself, but my sister, um, we all grew up in a, a pastor's home and we each had our uh, talents and abilities. And there was Marsha, the baby of the family. And um, she didn't sing, she didn't play music, she didn't teach Sunday school. And, um, you know, she went to mom one day and she said, you know, I don't, I'm pretty useless. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't do anything more for the work of the Lord. I just, you know, I just, I'm not really good at anything. But let me tell you about Marsha. Things that really matter, you know, singing is great and we can usher in the presence of the Lord, but 
um, if you have that talent, that's your, your gifting, that was not her gifting. And playing music, same thing. But Marsha has such a, a, a personality and a kind spirit that when we have visitors that come through the door, especially the ladies, she had just a way to connect with people that made them feel valuable, made them feel welcome, and made them feel not awkward. Have you ever been someplace new and you just feel awkward and you, everybody's trying to be friendly and stuff, but you still feel awkward? Marsha has that gift to reach people and make them feel at ease. And um, to the point, she will, um, when she'll kind of watch for them, you know, when they come back the next service, and um, she, when they come in, she'll say, and then they'll come up and she'll have them sit with her. She'll say, I saved you a seat. I'm going to tell you what, we have won more people through that um, kindness. And that, to me, that's reaching out. And she has had such an impact on many people in our church that it doesn't even take someone going out and knocking on doors or whatever method of outreach. Because, you know, the biggest problem is getting them there. But once they're there, we've got to make them feel wanted and comfortable because they cannot feel the presence of the Lord and respond to the presence of the Lord if they're uptight and, and nervous and don't feel comfortable. First of all, they got to come in and feel like they belong, and then God can reach them with his glory and his presence. But that is something we can all aspire to do, and I try to emulate her. I'm not near as good at it as she is because that is her gifting, and everybody can be part of that. And I see that around this church. I see almost everybody here reaches out to visitors and guests and, and making myself, because I've only been here a short while, making, you know, and I can, I can see what it feels like to be the new kid on the block. And so it's such a valuable thing. So whatever you're doing, that is living out God's um, love through how you're, you're reaching for the new people and the visitors and, and each other. So God bless you. Wow. So, uh, for the sake of time, Pastor, if you're okay, we're going to move on. Uh, oh, no, I want to talk about this for a minute. <laughs> I want to bring out something. How many of you guys remember Jinx from next door? Uh, just a few of you. Um, Jinx next door, his name was John. He was quite the character. And uh, he's cursed out some former pastors and assistants and called them names and we were doing the life recovery program and getting started. He hung stuff up across the road, uh, <laughs> ladies underwear and everything else. <laughs> Just trying to, it was awful. Y'all, Some of y'all remember that. Uh, and so he just gave everybody at the, this church fits. Well, one day John, uh, had a heart attack, and uh, I heard about it, and I went to the hospital, knocked on his door. He didn't answer, so I opened the door a little, seeing he was laying there, had his head covered up with his, with his cover, and uh, I walked in and got his attention. He, you know, then he's like shocked to see me standing there, and I checked on him, asked about him, asked if I could pray with him. And uh, prayed with him, had a good visit. It literally changed that man to where he would come over at work days and work with us here at the church. 
He seen us cutting trees out, came over, brought his tools, climbed up and cut tops of trees out, worked on sewer lines with us and showed us how some fixing things we didn't fix, didn't know how to fix or whatever. And he became a friend. His grandchild, Jeremy, came to church for a good while. Uh, one of his sons ended up coming through our life recovery program. And I thought, we all thought nobody's ever going to reach Jinx and connect with him. But it was through that, just going up, no matter how he had acted, that was put on the shelf. Uh, I've watched Brother Glenn Betts, Sister Michelle Betts, as new people came to our church, Amanda, and I could go through the line listing, how they connected with them and would be going out to lunch with them and became friends with them. I remember Brother Mask. It didn't matter what age group of anybody, from Courtney Williams to whoever came to this church, Brother Mask, they pretty much sat around Brother Mask because he, he just catered to them. And so those are just ways. But I want to say this real quick. I know we about time, but being intentional. Uh, we may feel like our circle is we've done worked it. We've invited everybody we know. But it, it's not. That circle is much broader than we think. And I know I'm a, you know, a guy stays on the run and, I get my check on Sunday or Monday, and I normally don't deposit till Friday because I keep forgetting. I ride around with it in my pocket or the truck. Uh, but when I do, I zip through the drive-thru. But I'm talking about being intentional. And so I quit doing that, and I never go through the drive-thru anymore because if I go through the drive-thru, I'm only talking to one person. And that's real quick. They're busy. It's over the intercom. So I don't go through drive throughs I go into the bank, and I'm able to talk to five or six people, and I'm able to get to know them better. When I go to the cleaners, I used to drive up. They'd walk out to my truck. I'd roll my back window down. They'd get, they'd get them out of my truck, I'd open my door and get them out. And um, I talked to that one person. I stopped doing that because I want to increase my circle of connections. So now I walk in there, I'm learning them by name, they know me by name, and one day somebody's going to need prayer, or somebody's going to have a crisis. So those are just ways of being intentional by just, God, how can, is it the waitress or the waiter where we eat at? There's not a lot of engagement. Get to know them, ask about them, ask about their children, give them a good tip. Hello? Give them a good tip. Man, need to tip them, period. But, I mean, if, if you're trying to connect with them and you see, you know, you can kind of pick up on some things, give them a $10 or $15 tip. I mean, I'm not saying do that every time you go. But it's okay. It opens a door. It says, you know what? They really care about me or thought about me. When you go back to that restaurant, ask for that waiter or that waitress. Those are really incredible examples of, of loving and, and loving with intention. Uh, we'll go on to serving now. And uh, for this section, uh, there are three, or not three, I'm sorry. There's, there's four questions that are going to be directed at each of you uh, specifically. Uh, we have a, a serving church. I think if you look at uh, our departments and our roles, uh, this is a church that loves, loves to serve. 
and is always so willing. But one of the elements that we want to talk about with service tonight is addressing serving in times of special needs. So when it's not just the everyday, it's not just a Sunday I'm going to do something, a Sunday somebody needs something. Uh, these are critical times. So, uh, Pastor, I want to start with you, if we could. Uh, could you talk to us about serving in times of personal crisis? Sure. I can't, I'll never forget when the tornado hit our area. Numbers of houses were totally destroyed. They cut off the, uh, the, the streets coming in. Nobody could come into this area. And our church was used as central command station. Uh, we were feeding. We couldn't, you couldn't even drive down to the houses a lot because of the trees, the big oaks. And we were going in. Uh, I still got pictures pop up on my memory. Sister Deborah, Brittany, and some others on my little gator that I had just bought that gator. And we used that gator so much taking food and supplies and then other churches and, and uh, people started bringing food here. And we were feeding them every day, sometimes twice a day, uh, into the community. And I know that's a crisis situation. But I remember this gene circle ran an ad in the paper. The neighbors got together and they ran an ad about our church, the way we loved them, how we were there for them. That spoke a lot. Uh, but another time, I remember this, we went in, and I just noticed that these people hardly ever left their home. They didn't want to leave their home. They're trying to salvage everything they can. They're traumatized, and they're stressed, de-stressed. And so we talked about it. Brother Dillon, you went with us. We went, and we took a Saturday where there was no working done. We didn't go into work. We went in and offered prayer and gave gift cards to local restaurants to allow them to leave that area that had them so distressed and get a break and go to a nice restaurant, sit down and get away from it all, and eat a meal. We got so much feedback from that. We didn't do it to get anything in return. It was just seeing a need where we could make a difference in their lives, and it impacted them. And so these are ways we can serve through hospitals, times of crisis. If a neighbor has lost a loved one or going through sickness, taking a meal over to them. I think back to my mother, how she was the Florence Nightingale of that community um, because she went and sit. Not everybody can do that. She went and sit with people all, you know, for months till they passed away or they got better and help those families, if we just look and recognize, I feel like if we pray and ask God, show me, lead me, connect me to somebody, to people that we can witness to and be a light to, God will do it. But if not, we're going to live our busy lives. We're going to carry our own pressures and our own loads, and we're going to race through every single day at the end of the day, it's over, and we walk by people every day that need encouragement, that need love, that need uh, to be lifted up, and that need God. Sister Robbins, let's talk about prayer, and specifically prayer for special needs. Can you elaborate a little bit on how prayer 
can become a service, especially when it's a specific, a special need uh, that's been brought up or can become an act of service? Well, a lot of times when people have a situation in their life and you say, well, I will pray, it seems so trite and it seems so little, but I'm going to tell you something. I personally can tell you that when I have gone through crisis in my life, and I could not pray myself. I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's not a, it's not a pretty place to be. But I could really feel when people were praying for me. I knew when someone was praying for me. So prayers are powerful, and it's something. How many have ever been woken up in the middle of the night to pray for someone? I'm going to tell you what, the way God, you know, he could just go ahead and, and speak the word and everything be okay. But he set up a plan that we have to ask. And so he will, if there's a situation going on, he will get one of his people and say, do you want me to intervene? There's something going on over here. Just ask me and I'll do it. And, and so that's why he prompts us to pray for circumstances and situations. And I remember um, hearing this story from way back when my... Um, Mom was a saint in the church, and um, she was awakened in the middle of the night to pray for Sister Martin, who was our pastor's wife. And um, she's like, uh, oh, she just felt an urgency to pray for Sister Martin. So she got up. She got on her knees and prayed and prayed until she felt a release. And then she went back to bed and went to sleep. Well, fast forward a, a week or so later at church, um, Sister Martin was telling about a situation. And um, she was talking to mom about it. And uh, when they got to counting when that was, it was the time and day of the evening that my mom was awakened to pray for Sister Martin. Somebody was breaking into their home, and Brother Martin was away on business or preaching somewhere, and someone was breaking into her home, but God had asked mom to get up and pray, and she did. And for some reason, for whatever reason, that person took off running. And so there's power in prayer. Wow, that's incredible. Brother Dylan, uh, let's talk about serving the soul, so spiritual service, uh, specifically when uh, there is someone who is on a, a, a growth track spiritually, um, a spiritual baby is becoming and a spiritual adult. Uh, what can you do to serve that person and ensure their growth in that path? Well, one thing that works well for us is we like to invite people to our house, and my wife's a great cook, and so there's always uh, a weight of the heart to their stomach. But more than that, there's a, a chance to bond and to uh, open up to them if, uh, as they're, they're your friend. And um, some people need friends. You'd be surprised how many people are lonely and don't have real friends. That they can, that, that they could just come over and, you know, and I think Sunday we, I, we had five that weren't from our family at dinner. Uh, my wife had to buy a new table. She got five leaves for that table now. <laughs> she used that as an excuse to buy a new table. So, uh, you know, uh, Brooke came in uh, and started hanging around West and. So we just adopted her, and she comes over, and now she brings her friend 
over the eight, and that's Wes was there and Paige and a few other. I don't know how many more. You never know how many is going to show up. It costs us a bit uh, every week, but uh, you know it's well money well invested. Uh, you know, and then you know. Uh, I can remember feeding, feeding you during that uh, Bible study and uh, different people that I taught Bible studies to. And uh, every week I'd have a dinner. And, and uh, I think uh, several of you here was eating there at, at, and, and visited. Um, you sh- you sh- be surprised. There's really something to, 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 to uh, offer them what is real friendship. What was the rest of the question? <laughs> Bringing someone uh, through their spiritual growth path, a spiritual baby to a spiritual adult, how can you serve that person? Well, uh, I think our neighbors. Uh, I taught Tony a Bible lesson after my grandson badgered them into coming. <laughs> and they started coming, and uh, I taught him a Bible study. And uh, just, uh, you know, this their neighbors. And uh, nice to have good neighbors. And uh, now we we got four Pentecostals right in a row there, uh, or three. I guess there's three families uh, now, or four families. That's four. Yeah. So sometimes just uh, you know, right now we got the uh, Montgomerys. They're coming over every week for a Bible study, and we give them peppers and pepper jelly and all kinds of stuff. You know, just. Just help people because people are, gonna, are just like babies. They're going to have problems. And you can't be surprised at their problems. You just got to work with them, you know, and help them through their problems. A lot of things that God's done for us, we can just say, well, you know, God did it for me. He can do it for you. We're just going to be friends. And we're going to pray about it. We're, gonna just, we're just going to just keep going on and serving God. And, uh, and uh, just a little encouragement. That, that's incredible. And I'll tell you, I'm a, a personal witness to that love and that uh, open home philosophy that the Dillons have. Uh, you know, when I come here 10 years ago or 11 years ago, I was uh, not in the best place, very, very bitter, very um, just I wasn't church hurt. No one had done anything to me. It was all my fault. But uh, I wasn't ready for a pastor. I wasn't ready for that step. But what I was ready for was someone to be kind to me. And someone who wasn't afraid that, well, you may be fifth generation. You've grown up in this whole life. You know better. You shouldn't feel this way. All these things that you kind of tell yourself. But no prequalifications, no uh, discriminatory elements at all. Just one of the first invites we got when we come here was to, hey, come to our house and eat. Come meet our family. And that was the seed for me uh, personally. That was a seed that started preparing me to get to the point that, you know what, I need a pastor, I need a church family, I need to be submitted, there's things that I can contribute, uh, and to let go of a lot of things, and that's that's a really good example, and that's something that I'll never forget about your family, is the impact uh, when we first come here in that very role of just opening your home, and not trying to qualify me, my, my, my position, my walk, anything, just, hey, come have Sunday lunch with us. And that's all it was. And it was incredible. Uh, Brother Carl, we're going to move on. We do have a couple questions coming in, so uh, we're going to move pretty quickly. But can you give us 
an example of uh, serving others with special needs. So not just your run-of-the-mill, you know, I, I serve, I, I love you, I, you know, I have this great consistent walk, this great attitude every day, I wake up with a smile on my face, but someone who has a need that you know, you know what, this is going to take a lot of time, a lot of effort, and I'm going to get involved with you, I know it's going to stress me out, but here we go. What's your advice there? You know, there's there's needs. <clears throat> Everybody has needs. We, we all have needs. Um, as Brother Dylan was talking about having people over for dinner, automatically the person that came to mind, I, I've actually been a personal experience of having ate with the Dylan family. Um, it's an experience you'll never forget. But there, we, we had home groups for, for so long, and there's a gentleman that's in our home group that was part of uh, Brother Dylan's home group, and we've all kind of gotten close to him. And Brother Dylan gave him a Bible study. His name's Lance. Many of y'all have known him come in service. And one thing that Lance brings up just out of the blue, at least monthly, is how he would go over there for a Bible study, but it wasn't just a Bible study. There was a dinner prepared. And he was like, I'd love to eat. I'm going to eat. But Sister Dylan doesn't have to cook for me every week. But she does. Um, and it just meant so much to him. And going back to the actual question about meeting the needs of people, uh, Lance is searching for something. He's searching for the truth. And I meet with him. I'm, I'm intentional about meeting with him every Wednesday. Um, and he believes in the Holy Ghost. He he. He wants to experience the Holy Ghost, but he gets so frustrated, and it's it's difficult sometimes when you're telling him the same thing over and over again, and it's like, you know, Lance, you just got to just, just release yourself. Just don't worry about the whole speaking in tongues, but there's a need there that needs to be met, and even though it can get frustrating at times, and it's taking time out of your day that work is going it's, to, it's fruit. You're producing fruit. We can plant a peach tree, but we can't go out there tomorrow and pick the peaches off of it. It takes time. It develops. And not only is it developing that person you're meeting that need for, but it's also developing you as a Christian, as a soul winner. It's, it's teaching you patience. It's teaching you perseverance. It's teaching you all these things. So when you meet somebody else's needs, it's not their needs only that you're meeting. You're also meeting the need, the desire to grow in Christ. Um, I recently had an experience that was very frustrating for me. Uh, I had to go to Kroger. Actually, it was yesterday. I had to go to Kroger. I went to Crosstown Kroger. I love that Kroger. Um, went in there, and I had several things to get. And all their electric carts were dead. All the batteries were dead. And I was by myself. I can't push a cart. So I went to the customer service, and it's like, you know, hey, all your carts are dead. Can you give me somebody to push a buggy? It was very humbling to ask that. It was something I didn't want to do. But there was a need that I had. I had to serve our church buying these groceries. And so when I asked, that lady was like, I'm sorry, everybody's busy. It was, again, very, very humbling. Um, and a young man came from Bagging. And he said, I'll help you. I'll go get a car, and I'll help you. What he did for me went beyond anything I remember about yesterday. 
that's the one thing I remember about yesterday. He took out of his time to serve a need that he seen. And us as Christians should do more so. And there's not just physical needs. There's, there's emotional needs. There's mental needs. There's spiritual needs. So don't look just for the obvious need. Look for those that go beyond the obvious. Is there somebody hurting? Is there somebody in need? One, another thing that uh, Teresa, one of the other home group uh, people mentioned, her mom passed away. She was so overcome by the compassion the church showed. Showed up at the door, brought some food for the family. That meant the world to her. She met Brother and Sister Miller. And she, to this day, this happened a couple years ago, to this day she still remembers that. She still brings up how loving and compassionate this church is. Those needs don't go unnoticed. Go ahead. While we're talking about connecting with our community, with our friends, uh, I don't want us to overlook, and oftentimes we can, connecting with people in the church and helping them come out, feel apart, feel connected, feel important. Uh, I'm going to use this as an example. Brother Sammy, now I've been pastor here seven years. And Brother Sammy had not came here that whole time, but he had returned. And I didn't really know Brother Sammy, you know. Uh, but I was building a home. He had lost his job. And uh, I remember he walked to town every day, parked his car, or drove his car to town, walked all over town looking for a job every day. So I said, well, come out to my house. I need somebody. I didn't really need anybody that bad, but trying to help him out. And... Uh, just clean up, just keep it cleaned up. Well, the crew was going to do that at the end of the week, but but by having Brother Sammy there to help him financially, I, I saw his spirit, how loving he was, how bad he wanted to be a blessing, and how much he wanted to do things. And it don't take long being around Brother Sammy if you just will hang around him. He's got one of the sweetest spirits of anybody you'll ever know. And so through all of that, Brother Sammy, because he was given a chance, look what he does to this church, for this church, and look what he means to this church today. And it was here all along. And so there's people in our midst. We need to bring them in. We may be just spend some time with them. There's people you go to church with here right now. You don't even really know them and see the values and the real spirit. And so it's getting to know them and helping them, and they'll help you. I'm sorry. No, that's, that's, that's really good advice. I've always been told that exposure breeds a burden, and it, you can't be afraid of exposure. You can't be afraid to face uh, your brothers, your sisters, uh, coworkers, whoever, head on, because exposure will breed a burden. It'll bring revelation to you of what they need. Like you said, that spirit was revealed to you. And look at what we have today. We have Brother Sammy, who we all know and love so very much. Uh, so let's go on to questions uh, quickly. We have three that have come in. So the first one, and I'm going to leave these open. Uh, if you want to take a uh, take shot at it, just go ahead and take it. But the first question is, when we are working with someone that is unresponsive, 
when do we know that it's time to leave the seed that we've planted and put our energy into someone else, or is there even a time to do so? Let me speak on that for a second. You never stop. You may change approaches. You may give space. Jan was a high school friend. Um, you're older than I. We, you know, we're not daters, but we were close friends. Hung out through high school. Well, you know, we grow up. I'm married. She uh, ha- was married. Uh, she was shot one day uh, by someone having a flashback uh, on her way to work, and the bullet pierced her spine. And Jan's been paralyzed ever since, and that's been, goodness, 35-plus years ago. Uh, so anyway, I was witnessing to Jan, and she was raised in another denomination, and I taught her Bible study. And she didn't want to hear it. She said, you know, I know what happened to you is real, but I don't believe all that that's necessary. I, I was born Baptist. I'll die Baptist, <laughs> is what she would say. And one day the Lord spoke to me and said, quit going. Just pray for me to prepare her heart. And I did. I just dropped, quit quit going by there. And I would pray and pray for God to prepare her heart, open her eyes. And then a couple, three months later, the Lord spoke, said, now go back. I knocked on her door, gave her the exact same Bible study, exact same Bible study, nothing different. And I just gave her one. Into his marvelous light, a one-hour Bible study, revelation came open, baptized Jan right there in my home church. We had to lift her out of the wheelchair, put her in the baptistry, baptize her in Jesus' name. She received the Holy Ghost. And so we don't give up, but sometimes we have to back off and pray for God to prepare them. That's good. The this next question um pertains to to our church presently uh how can we encourage others in the church to get involved what is our role in motivating them to get involved and if there are only a certain percentage that actually do all the work and there are departments that are in need of help how can we be an encourager lead by example um don't be afraid to ask don't be afraid to ask for help Encourage them to do stuff outside the church. Again, you can't ask for a hand until you touch a heart. You touch the heart first, then you ask for the hand. Befriend them first. There's a hand clap. That was awesome. You you friend them first, and you lead by example. You show them, you talk to them how important serving is. I love the word serve because... It's a humbling, humbling word. We can all say, hey, I helped so-and-so. I volunteered for this. But when you use the word serve, it has so much more meaning. And so that's a word that I've adopted this year because it's letting me know. It's keeping me grounded, but it's letting me know I'm doing more than just helping somebody. I'm serving them. So when you... When you need that extra help, lead by example. Share the burden that you have. Vocalize that burden. Pray for workers in the field. That's the one forgotten prayer request of Jesus. Pray 
the laborers. And I think sometimes we forget to do that. Um, I know there's probably better answers there, but touch the heart, ask for the hand. That That is incredible. The, the last question that we have um, has to do with, with bitterness. And the, the question is, when you encounter someone who you've established a relationship with, but then you realize there's a bitterness there towards the church, towards God, uh, what is the best way to combat that bitterness, not only in others, but to also guard ourselves from that very same bitterness? Nobody wants to tackle that one, huh? <laughs> well, I'm reading a book right now. Brother Drury just wrote his first book, and he called it Bitter or Better. And it's a wonderful book. It, it, it uh, goes all into some of the trials and things he had. So uh, sometimes you can, well, first of all, it takes prayer uh, because Unless God draws the heart, they're not coming anyway. But um, everyone is unique in their own story. Why are they bitter? Bob was bitter because his son died. Took me quite a while to find that out. But I got be, uh, under his skin enough that he he was he was concerned about. What, what I was doing and what's going on uh, with my my life, he's seen something there. Uh, but everybody has their own story, and that's one thing that if you will use this approach to with prayer to get people to talk about their story. People uh, like to talk about themselves. That's just their, that's just human nature. Uh, not everybody will do it, but you can get some people to tell you what what's uh, what's wrong with them, what the problem is. The key is, and this is what I teach all the chaplains when we instruct them: if you ever break confidence, you'll never be trusted. And one thing that we lack in this in this world is somebody we can go to and talk to and tell us, tell us the deepest problems and they're not going to go tell somebody. And if you can get that kind of, that's a building a bridge. If you can build that kind of bridge, they can walk over that bridge. But you've got to build that bridge. And don't you ever, ever, uh, a tailbearer is a terrible person. And if somebody can trust you, they may trust you with a little thing and then a little bit more and a little bit more. And most people are crying out to tell somebody about some problems that they cannot solve themselves. And, the, and that's God's plan. The Bible says that we are a body. A body has cells. Each of us are cells of Christ's body. 
And if they can't come to a Christ body and know that they're going to be protected no matter what they say. Now, I also tell my chaplains when they're training them uh, that uh, if you say you're going to hurt yourself or hurt someone else, then I have to tell somebody. That's the law. But other than that, anything you say, nobody else is going to is going to hear about it. And that's that's the bridge you got to build. That's that's really incredible. One of the things that was uh, just brought up uh, that someone sent in reminded me of is, is we do have a great opportunity at this church. Uh, we're talking about connections and connecting with people, being intentional. Uh, this church is presently sitting on an incredible opportunity with children, with all the activities and things that go on in our children's ministries, our Sunday schools, all the effort and uh, uh, intentional planning that goes on there. There's there's a lot of great opportunities to reach a parent through a child uh, because there's nothing that a parent loves more than to see someone love that child that they know is so special and deserves uh, so many good things. So that is another avenue for all of us to to really uh, not exploit but but take advantage of is that we do have strong programs uh, here already that could be that open door uh, for a parent just by serving and being kind to a child. Uh, I, I thought that was that was very insightful, and I'm I'm thankful for uh, sending that in. So that's we're going to wrap up. That's going to conclude our panel. Have you enjoyed it? Has it been good? <laughs>